Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we're lucky enough to hear a market update from Rod Hoare of HHMC Global all about the trends, drivers, strategies and issues that impact mergers and acquisitions activity within the recruitment sector. So keep listening and we'll get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Okay, and in today's episode, we are welcoming back the fabulous Rod Hoare from HHMC Global. Rod, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us uh, again today. It's always a pleasure having you on the program. I'm delighted to be here and uh, thanks so much for having me again. Great. Okay. So the insights I think we wanted to drill into today relate to your M&A market update. Um, I was the lucky recipient of one of these updates that you sent out. And I just thought, look, this is some really interesting information in your business intentions report that I really think we should be talking about on the podcast today. So maybe if you can give us a little bit of an overview of what the report is, what it's all about, and then we can drill into the M&A side. Okay, thank you. HHMC Global is a very specialist organisation in that we only work within the recruitment industry. We very rarely uh, do activities outside that. And our role within the recruitment industry is to provide strategy advice, but mostly is to provide merger and acquisition activity. And so we are very deeply involved in what's going on within the recruitment industry from an expansion point of view and um, how the industry is progressing, but also understanding what are the drivers for recruitment agencies, their valuations, their growth, and and what's going on in the global market and how that might impact us across Australia and New Zealand. And so we've published quite a bit of material on that, um, including some e-books on valuations, and more recently have started to put out this business valuations update which we we provide every six months, and it's a survey across the industry and gives us a, a really f- you know finger on the pulse of what's going on in terms of uh, the drivers for the organisations and what's going well, what's not going well, and what their expectations of the future is. Mm, fabulous. And look, um, I, I know we're going to just talk about the um, M&A market update section, but I'm actually just interested, how about we just kick it off with talking a little bit about the more general recruitment related uh, results that you've identified in, in the survey and then we, and then we can talk about the, the specific M&A areas. Yeah, sure. Look, at I mean, the recruitment industry is having a great time. The recruitment industry does rely on the broad global um, and, and local markets to be doing well. And because confidence in the, in, in the general market is strong, uh, companies in general are growing and are profitable, then the recruitment industry is, is, is doing well on the back of that. As a matter of fact, um, in the 10 years since the financial crisis, this is actually really sustained period of growth for the recruitment industry. And it's seen the emergence of, of a new crop of really strong privately owned organisations that have come through in the local market. So it's a very, very positive time. Profits are up, revenue growth is strong and confidence is certainly high. 
Wow, that's great news. It's a positive then. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, not everybody uh, does as well as others. And so the averages are good, but and that means there's some outstanding performers, but there's also, you know, issues that need to be understood within the industry. And our survey has been really good at trying to identify specific things that people are concerned about. So one of the challenges, for example, is that it's really hard to get experienced staff. There's actually a staff shortage within the recruitment industry, which sounds a bit weird, but that's true. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> shortages do apply across many industries and the recruitment industry is one of those. And so traditionally, recruitment companies have been able to grow by just hiring more experienced staff and being able to apply them to the opportunities they've got. But that's an example of a challenge that they've got at the moment because those experienced staff don't exist. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. And so I, I guess if we're moving on then to look at this, specifically the M&A area and the market update that you're providing in this area, what, what are we seeing in terms of activity that's um, happening in the M&A space? Uh, merger and acquisition activity has been really strong. So while there's been this positive global economic environment for the last 10 years that has had a lot of confidence within business owners. And when business owners are confident, they will invest. And in an emerging, uh, maturing industry like the recruitment industry, uh, mergers and acquisitions are one of the ways that organisations will grow and expand in addition to the fact that you have a lot of people who reach a logical point where they want to sell their business, if we think about it from the buyer's perspective, it's a very positive environment and so therefore there is activity. So I mentioned just minor things like staff issues, you know, so, so people are finding it difficult to grow organically, that all of those sorts of things push towards a greater need for mergers and acquisitions. So you've got the economy, you've got some global trends where the world is a smaller place and and all of those global trends mean that an organisation that might be, say, in Europe or in North America or in Asia, they have clients themselves that want to operate in a broader way. And so, therefore, uh, the recruitment organisations need to have a global footprint. That means that there's opportunities for international companies coming into Australia and New Zealand. So, so global trends are good. And sorry, j- just to uh, throw a question in there, what countries are you seeing the greatest demand for in terms of coming in? to Australia as buyers? The the, the big headlines over the last four or five years have been out of Japan. There's been quite significant investment in the Australian recruitment industry from Japan and there's a set of circumstances in Japan that means that they've been very, very global and very acquisitive and that looks like it will continue for a number of years. Out of Asia-Pacific, there is a number of rising countries, so so we're finally starting to see out of the massive economies of China and India, some large recruitment companies that are now acting in an international way, and some of the some of the smaller mature countries like uh, Singapore and Hong Kong as well. But globally, there's even more interesting things happening. North, not so much from North America because the domestic market in North America is so strong that it is very logical for people to expand within their market rather than internationally. But out of Europe, there is um, big changes. So Brexit is very positive for us, I believe, if it ever happens and if we ever know what it means and if it ever, ever settles down. But, you know, we have this view that when Brexit does occur, Australia will be a favoured partner for the United Kingdom. And the United Kingdom has already had a very strong relationship in the recruitment industry with Australia and we see that growing and getting stronger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, well, uh, I, I think we, <laughs> we 
can also we've uh, met many British recruiters out there. So <laughs> yes, that's right. There is a, there is a certain accent to the Australian <laughs> recruitment industry, and it's dominated uh, out of the UK, and that's good. And so and so if if it is easier to do business between the UK and Australia, then that'll be really positive for our industry in the future because the UK industry is about three times the size of Australia's. Wow, wow. And look, I, I mean, just on that note, and and I know it's not necessarily particularly relevant to the M and A side, but it's interesting to drill into why do you think it is such an attractive industry in Australia for British people? Yeah, I, I think we're a relatively easy country to do business with. I think we're a very desirable place to be. Um, I think Australia is attractive for British people and British business people. There are also some attractions for British companies to operate in North America, not just the United States, but in Canada. But if they're thinking about this time zone, then where else would you go but Australia and New Zealand? All of the other options look a little more complex. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So I interrupted you before when I wanted to drill into um, into some of those areas for more detail, but I, I think I interrupted you in terms of talking about the general M&A market outlook. So we're talking about international opportunities or opportunities for international buyers. What else are you seeing out there? Yeah, look, we, we consider that our, our local economy across Australia and New Zealand is going to be continue to be strong. I don't see anything on the horizon at the moment that people would say is going to, you know, interrupt the fact that people are, that there's going to be a continuing skills shortage and there's going to be continuing uh, need for recruiters to do their job. The politicians and the regulatory environment um, are continuing to try to throw spanners in that process. Um, there's been some really bad court cases about contingent work recently. Um, there's a lot of talk about licensing or a lot of action about licensing. There's some concerns if there's a change of government in Australia, uh, what that might mean for the, the the recruitment industry. There's a possibility that we would even see that the benefits that we see in valuations and in sustainability from, from having a strong contingent part of your recruitment industry might even change a little bit because if the regulations and if the laws around contingent labour um, become so onerous, then all of a sudden that may not be the really big positive that it is at the moment. But maybe it's too early to actually be even even talking about that. But certainly there's been some been some court cases and been some issues that that we do need to watch. Those things are not changing the recruitment industry at the moment. Those things are just on the horizon and people are dealing with them. Um, Like all regulatory activities, the recruitment industry is the receiver of those things. They happen elsewhere and we just have to deal with it. And the industry has proven itself to be pretty strong at being able to adapt and move through that. And so, you know, so market conditions are are as good as they can be. Right. Um, What we are finding is that those market conditions while they're really positive, they don't really change the underlying activities to do with mergers and acquisitions. Maybe it's a good chance for us to then go deeper into what that means in the recruitment industry. So so what are these main drivers, I guess, Rod? Yeah, so th- there are a lot of small companies within the recruitment industry and it is sometimes difficult to get good information about uh, what makes an organisation attractive or how an organisation might be valued. Um, The recruitment industry has very low barriers to entry, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, and that means that there are a lot of very small organisations out there. And so nobody quite knows the numbers, but let's say there's 10,000 recruitment companies in Australia. 
then probably you know nine thousand, nine and a half thousand of those are actually considered to be very small organisations, and they have a different valuation and a different way of being valued than the larger companies. So the, the market conditions haven't changed from the point of view of a buyer is going to be looking for certain attributes when they do an acquisition, and they are quite often about sustainability, but also attractiveness. And sustainability is about size and it's about recurring revenue. It's about making sure that on Monday morning you don't have to sell everything to earn your money, but there's some there's some way that the, the revenue has been sustained. And those things haven't changed over time. And look, each of these things really aren't dissimilar, I guess, to most other industries as well. You know, certainly service. No, they're not. Industry. No, that's that's right. Um well, because of the lack of information sometimes that's available, though, people will extrapolate what happens in what they read in the newspapers about what might happen with a very large transaction and apply it to their very small business, and those things don't match. I mean, there is, there is, there is no relationship. Sometimes, therefore, the, the attractiveness features of what goes on within a recruitment company in terms of being able to value it are, are not considered. So people who are on the buying side are looking for um, what sector that organisation works in, so where it actually adds value. Is it an IT specialist or is it a healthcare specialist or, or, or an accounting specialist? Um, what geographies does it operate in? Has it got sustainable staff and leadership? Um, and that's a really key issue, especially if the business owner is looking to exit the business. The ease of doing the transaction. So, is it a, is it a company that is legally structured and and you know financially structured so that it's actually easy to do the transaction? And I know you've done a lot of work on that in your podcasts. And then there's the whole deal of the valuation and the valuation structure, and and you know that's another whole topic of being able to go into. But if people are unrealistic, or if people are making it complex to do a transaction then they become unattractive and the buyer has plenty of choice. He'll go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that I find interesting about the recruitment industry, the M&A activity in the recruitment industries, one of the things I see less than perhaps I see in other industries is the likelihood of someone perhaps that wants to go and start a business buying an established business in recruitment. For whatever reason, I, I see a bit less than that in other industries where in recruitment, to my mind, it, it seems a bit more that if someone wants to start a recruitment business, they'll just go and build a greenfield recruitment business rather than acquiring, you know, another small recruitment business. Obviously, it happens, but I, I just mean less regularly than other industries. Is that something that you see? And if so, why? Why do you think that's the case? I, th I think um, an individual buying a recruitment company, especially if they themselves are not from the recruitment industry, is actually a really complex thing to do. It is a very people-led and, and relationship-based um, industry. There are, there are no assets in a recruitment company. Um, so it's unlike going and buying, for example, a printing franchise or something like that where there's you know what's going to happen on Monday morning. You know, there's orders underway. Um, the customers will walk in the door. There's corporate clients. There's all of those sorts of things that you can put some certainty to or at least some risk assessment to. In a recruitment company, which is purely about relationships and purely about the people and the staff that work for you, um, it's, it's a very high risk activity. And therefore, the option of building your own as opposed to buying something is always a very valid discussion point. 
Mm-hmm. And do you have many buyers on your books that are, you, you know, recruiters in, sitting in other organisations that are looking to make the move out to their own practice by looking for a recruitment practice to buy? Um, almost zero. Over our 20 years, um, that, that's not been something that's been, I'm struggling to think of one, that's been part of our business. So we're, we're usually doing business to business transactions where an organisation is looking to acquire another organisation. Mm. Well, I think, you know, in, in my experience, at least that does seem, you, you know, something in the recruitment industry that is a little bit different to many of the other service industries that we see. Um, yeah, for sure. And certainly for recruitment, then it appears to be acquisition as a, you know, a method of growth, perhaps an alternative to organic because organic can be hard if you can't find the staff. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and also slow. And so, you know, this economic cycle is not going to go forever. Um, business confidence is not going to live forever. If you've got demanding customers that want you to do certain things, then acquisitions can actually speed up a process of being able to solve that issue. There's other factors at play. I mean, the recruitment industry is maturing. It is a large cost within large organisations. And so, therefore, procurement and HR and so on get involved in the process. So, there's pressure on margins and, you know, all of those sorts of maturing industry pressures and so sometimes acquisitions can help alleviate that as well by you can buy a higher margin business in another location or with a different customer base and and so on so there's other other factors within the broader industry Uh, but in general people are looking to expand their sector or their geography so they're looking to buy into a new sector or they're looking to buy into a new geography and very rarely people are looking to just acquire to buy market share Mm. And how is consolidation looking across the market at the moment? You know, has there, what what sort of space are we sitting in now? Do you think in terms of the cycle of consolidation? Mm. Um, I changed my mind on this actually a little bit each (laughs) each, each year or two. Um, So a few years ago, I was was sort of slightly depressed for the Australian recruitment market because um, there'd been so many large acquisitions happen um, from overseas that I was a little concerned that Australia and New Zealand would turn into being a a little bit of a branch office, that we would only have smaller companies and all of the larger entities would be um, owned by overseas corporations. I actually have changed my mind on that because there's been such a really good growth from some strong Australian-owned businesses that I can see that the replenishment of those Australian-owned businesses is happening quite quickly. And so, you know, this, this economic cycle has really spawned some great companies and, and that's great. Uh, that, is, that is really good for the future. I, I just am, am really positive at the moment about the maturity, uh, the leadership, the growth that's coming out of the industry. The barriers to entry for being able to join the industry and so therefore the thousands of small companies hasn't really changed. I mean, that is changing a little bit, but hasn't really changed. And so we won't see too much in terms of consolidation until there's some dramatic impact there that some barrier is put in place that people have to jump and therefore the ease with which you can go and start a small business becomes just not viable. Let's then look practically at what all of this means. If you're a business who's listening to this or an advisor to a business that is in the recruitment industry and is looking at building itself for sale, say in the next sort of two to five years, what's your advice at the moment? Has it changed from perhaps since discussions we had a year ago (laughs) about, you know, what, what the update in the market, our current market conditions has in terms of impact for what they should be thinking about in building? 
building for sale. Yeah, look, look one thing that has changed is that I think the, the and this is a negative comment, um, the I think the ongoing continuing cycle that we're in, this good cycle that we're in, has allowed a whole range of people who don't know much about the recruitment industry to make a whole bunch of uh, statements and uh, spread misinformation basically about about valuations and about the opportunity for companies to um, achieve great outcomes, which are just impossible. They're not going to happen. And so, you know, lies and misinformation. I never used to think that the recruitment industry was that different to the rest of the world. I thought a services industry um, like IT or financial planning or accounting or law or recruitment all had the basic characteristics that, that were similar. But maybe the recruitment industry is actually different and maybe it's this low barrier to entry and the fact that there are thousands of small companies out there. So we're unfortunately seeing a lot of information in the marketplace, which is just plain wrong and is giving people a, um, a wrong wrong information about what their value might be or what their options might be for the future. And that's coming from some quite large companies sometimes. So we're seeing valuations of small recruitment companies being compared to valuations of very large recruitment companies. There is a air gap between those two. There is <laughs> there is no relationship between those two. And we're having to fix sometimes that misapprehension or that mis- misinformation that's out there in the marketplace. So that's a bit disappointing. And can we drill a little bit more into, you know, we don't have to if you don't want to, where this misinformation is mostly coming from? Um. A lot of accounting firms will only be able to access public information and there is very little information about the recruitment industry in the public domain. So if you wanted to look up recent transactions, for example, you'd be able to see listed companies like programmed being sold to the Japanese. You'd be able to see very large established um, private equity backed companies like um, People Bank being sold to the Japanese and so on, and a few other transactions that are in the marketplace. But those are not the right data points to be using for the majority of the recruitment industry that is privately owned, relatively small, and may have completely different characteristics and certainly different corporatization. So a company that is publicly listed is a corporate entity that has sustainability and has, has um, rigor about its processes. A 20-person organization or a 15-person organization does not have any of those characteristics. It is run by the owner and, and so on. And so people are applying the wrong information to the wrong circumstance. I think many of our listeners are accountants and, and I just pushed you a bit more on that question and and I <laughs> I could feel your reluctance to go there but I think it's really I'll try important. and stay positive <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's really important for us to be real about where some of these issues are coming from you know and and it can be very helpful I think for professionals to hear from industry specific advisors about what's actually happening in that industry and, you know, the issues that they're seeing. So I think that's why it's really important to, you know, to really drill in into this. And obviously, I, I can tell from the way you're talking about this that you, you've clearly got a few real examples of, you know, clients coming in having had uh, different viewpoints 
on uh, <laughs> on um, on valuation than um, I guess the realities that you have to then talk to them about. And no one wants to be the bearer of bad news, right? And and I guess that's the reality. So in terms of us then providing practical, useful guidance for anyone who's out there and and perhaps faced with a client who who comes in from a specialist industry, like for example recruitment, and is asked to provide evaluation, you know. Presumably, one of one of the things that valuers of you know from all different disciplines have access to is benchmarking tools. But I, I guess what you're saying here is benchmarking tools in and of themselves aren't providing enough in terms of giving a true a reflection of where the market's really sitting. Maybe can you just talk a little bit about that point, Rod? All right. So one of the reasons we've published so much material and written our ebook and done all of those things is to try and put some of that material out there because we want people to understand that the characteristics of the recruitment company that is being valued really does have an impact on what its valuation is. So if it's a small company or if it's a company that relies on pure sales-driven revenue, then it will be valued less than an organisation that has different characteristics. So, so those sustainability components of, of a recruitment company are really valid in terms of understanding a value. It's not to do with profit. It's not to do with you know longevity or anything like that. It's about the sustainability of that business. If it's a small business, it will be probably wrapped up in the founders and shareholders. And if they're selling, they probably want to leave. That adds to the risk. If it's a young business, then it hasn't really proven itself. It's only, you know, living, no, this sounds harsh, but it's living off the enthusiasm of those founders who were in there with full of energy. You know, what happens after five years or six years? How does it go then? And, you know, there are stages that a, an organization goes through. And um, we, we talk a lot about organizations that get zero to 20 people, 20 to 50 people, and then and what they do when they're above 50 people in size. And the characteristics and the valuation for those organisations does change dramatically, let alone the mix of business, let alone the customer base, let alone the way that they treat their staff and pay commissions and all of those sorts of things which are then quite unique to the recruitment industry. And unfortunately, possibly because the recruitment industry is relatively small and uninteresting in the global scheme of things, what is talked about in the press and what is available in the press is only at the very large end. So it's the listed companies, the companies that have been around forever, those that are private equity backed, and that's a very, very small percentage of the market. What happens underneath that usually is different and doesn't apply. Well, look, Rod, you are just a, um, a powerhouse of information. I just love speaking to you. I think this discussion is going to be hopefully listened to by a lot of our accountants and valuation advisors because I think you've really, even though we we're talking about a market update, we ended up talking about so much more. <laughs> and I've cut you off a few times. Are there, are there any anything else that I've cut off in the middle of that you feel like we've missed out of the discussion, Rod? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think you know, the, the industry is quite exciting. There are changes happening to it from every perspective. Some of that impacts the way that values will be done or will be assessed in the future. Some of it relates to, you know, the financial funding. I think private equity, for example, is on the rise in Australia, which is great. But while the economy continues to be strong, there will be a skills shortage, there will be confidence and uh, things will be positive. Well, I like it. There's an upbeat report from Rod Hall. <laughs> 
Now, Rod, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, I can testify to the fact that you are incredibly personable um, and, you know, really willing to um, sit at the end of the phone and have a very commercial discussion about things. So, you know, I, I'm guessing you might say to our listeners that your, um, your line's open if there's any accountants out there that just want to have a chat about some recruitment firms that they're working with that they um, really need some specialist advice and assistance with. Yeah, sure. Look, and, and all our contact details are on hhmc.com.au. Um, feel free to give myself or uh, my colleague Richard Haywood a call and uh, we'd love to help. We do work with a lot of um, accounting agencies uh, across the country and uh, happy to uh, receive a call. Fabulous. And and I just love to throw a pitch in there for you guys. I, you are just absolutely fabulous to work with. And I've not met a client that hasn't been, um, you know, screaming your praises from the, the rooftop. So uh, there you go. All right. Thanks so much, Joanne. Okay. Good work. Well, look, thanks, Rod. Thanks for coming on board again. Um, maybe maybe we'll have to make this an annual event doing our uh, market updates. <laughs> All right. Look forward to it. Well, that concludes our M&A market update for the recruitment industry from our very special guest, Rod Hoare from HHMC Global. If you're interested in getting a copy of this report, you can reach out to Rod and his team at HHMC Global by checking out our show notes at www.thedealroompodcast.com or just the show notes on your phone or your other podcast player, where we'll link through to HHMC's website so you can get a copy of that report. And on our website at The Deal Room Podcast, you'll also find a full transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. Well, look, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, then please subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your other favourite podcast player so that you can get notifications straight through to your phone whenever a new episode is out. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.